Hello and welcome to the 44th ever episode of the Untimed Manager Podcast. My name is Suji Kalawale and each week I take a look at football's biggest headlines, stories, events from both the past and the present, really trying to take a look at the game and understanding what's going on. Now, last week I had a full episode recorded before the last game of the season, like previewing everything, but I had weird audio issues and it couldn't go out, so my bad, my bad. But I want to go over some of the key stuff I saw on that day and preview the Champions League final. Hopefully this weekend I can also do a review of the Champions League final and then some other stuff that might be kicking off in the summer. So let's get into the episode. Right, the last game of the season was mad. Um, Very enjoyable. I know everyone's saying that it was the greatest last day ever um, because of everything that was on the line. I get it. It was fun to have more than to have things on the line that like everything wasn't decided, etc. But weirdly, it felt like too much was on the line, and I couldn't really focus on one thing happening. Um, like I was, I was mostly invested as an Arsenal fan in the Arsenal game and the Man City game. When Arsenal went two 0 up at Everton, I was really excited. But as soon as I checked the Tottenham score, and I realised Tottenham. Um, were battering Norwich and we weren't going to get to a four. The Arsenal game's not relevant. Turn that off. Put the Man City game on and the Liverpool game on side by side. Obviously, those were the two biggest ones of the weekend. Um, Man City might have got away with this one. Skin of their teeth job. Funnily enough, they <laughs> Man City are, are amazing. They're a really good team. Very well-run club. They did great this season. They, again, went into the year without a striker. I was banging on all season that they didn't have a nine. They weren't going to get enough goals. But, again, they did goals by committee. Uh, Mares got to 12 or 13. Kevin De Bruyne hit double figures. Um, Phil Foden chipped in. Ukai Gundogan, Gabby Jesus. Like, they had enough people chip in throughout the team to make sure they, they could get enough goals. Now, the issue with them is, defensively, they are quite... They're not they're not full on Civ, they're not Norwich or some of the Fulham teams you see in the league, but defensively they're not resolute. And as soon as Ruben Diaz went down um a couple of weeks ago, it was a bit dicey. They are like the same way Liverpool, there's a clear difference between when Van Dyke plays and when Van Dyke doesn't play, like in the Wolves game. Man City, big, big difference with Ruben Diaz doesn't play. And going with Fernandinho at centre back because Carl Walker was injured and couldn't wasn't fully fit to play centre back, so John Stones had to play right back. Dicey, dicey, dicey. Fernandinho, love him. Um, been an absolute servant for the league. One of one of the best defensive midfielders to ever play in the Premier League. One of the best midfielders to ever play in the league. Honestly, for me, he's right up there with with Patty V and Roy Keane and Makalele and Ngolo Conte, like. Paul Scholes, uh, Michael Carrick. Fernandinho is right up there in that category. The guy has been the most destructive, very progressive, controlling defensive midfield players in probably one of the best teams, top two, top three team in Premier League history. And the season where they played him, De Bruyne and David Silva in midfield might be the best midfield the league has ever seen. They were unstoppable. And then when De Bruyne went down and it was him, Bernardo and David Silva, Goodness gracious, man, that had everything they needed. But Fernandinho is cooked. Well and truly cooked. 
Ollie Watkins ran him ragged. And Manchester City are very, very lucky that that game went the way it did. Because there's an alternate universe where if Fernandinho gets sent off in, in half an hour, they go 2-0 down at Villa and they bottle the lead. And to be honest, Pep should thank his lucky stars that this was game week 38 and not game week 36. And obviously, everyone knows that there's a 38-game season. Whoever finishes top of the league season deserves to win the league. You can't really argue with it because that is the amount of games is the changing factor. Like you can't. It's not lucky. It's not like a like a one-off game or a, like a cup final where anything can happen. In the league season, you've got to sustain. You've got to be the best. And Man City were right up there, but. 13 points at some point they were up. They were up 13 points from Liverpool. And to be honest, there was real, real... There was real possibilities that Liverpool could have won this league on the last day of the season. And I think if there was one or two more games, City would have bottled it. However, they didn't, so congrats to them. Um, Pep, four and five years, monster. Phil Foden, four Premier League titles at 21, monster. Ilkay Gundogan, honestly, I was screaming and shouting. I was stressed, especially when Coutinho scored. I was thinking, no way. There is no way we're going to see this happen. There is absolutely no way that a, a Pep Guardiola team is going to bottle the league title. But they almost did. Then Ilkay Gundogan, as soon as Pep brought him on, I'm like, what on earth are you doing? Gundogan isn't the man for this situation. Why on earth have you brought him on? Shut me right up. Two goals in five minutes for him. Rodri sidefoots one from the outside of the box into the bottom corner. Manchester City, that, that must be a crazy feeling. I can't even imagine what that feels like. It wouldn't have felt as good as the QPR game because the QPR game was their first league title. It was a 90-something minute. United already thought they won the league. City had literally lost the league, but it's right up there, man. That is a that is a top-class last game of the season. Um, Liverpool were destructive all campaign. It's so... It's so funny to see a team that, like, if Manchester City didn't exist, Liverpool would be four or five time Premier League title winners over the last few years. That is crazy. At least in the Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea era, like, Arsenal, Man United, then Chelsea, Man United, it chopped and changed. So there was a few times that one team won the league a few times than another. With Liverpool, it's like, Literally, if this team didn't exist, we would be the most dominant that dominant side in English football. It's not even, it's not even close. It'd be the most dominant side in world football. It's crazy. But Ruben Diaz was a Ruben Diaz. Luis Diaz was a phenomenal signing. Really helped step up when Salah was uh, dropping off. Sadio Mane looked like he was on a a tough run beginning of the year. People were saying he's washed up. Even I was thinking a bit iffy of him. Klopp moved him to the nine to uh, to accommodate Diaz and Salah wide and Mane was phenomenal. He wasn't a false nine. He was just playing a little bit deeper, but he's so effective and so direct. He could finish Liverpool play in every single game of every competition they were in this year. That is not normal. And actually, no, before I get into the Champions League final, I want to finish up the Premier League. Um... Chelsea finished third, absolutely started their way to the end of the season, um, dropped points. I don't know the number off my head. I'm going to guess Chelsea dropped seven or eight points over their last five games. 
I'm going to guess that is how many they pop, uh, dropped. Tuchel, if I was him, I'd be a bit frustrated that the players felt like they downed tools. Obviously, they had a big um, global political situation. So if you're Antonio Rudiger or Christensen or Marcos Alonso, and you look at the Netflix club's going to have the money to re-sign you, there's no point you're looking elsewhere, you're negotiating with other teams. That doesn't mean they're not professional and trying their hardest, but it just felt like there was a cloud over Stamford Bridge this season. So I understand they didn't play so well. Romelu Lukaku, I had the highest, highest of high hopes. I thought he was going to come in 25, 30 goal like campaign, wreck the league, be so physical, use all that smart attacking play, that link up, that creativity that he had in Inter Milan with Lautaro Martinez. I think him, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, that would be a destructive set of forwards, but just couldn't click. I think he actually might have finished Chelsea's second top goal scorer or Chelsea's top goal scorer, him or Mason Mount. But you wouldn't say it was a good season for him at all. Spent most of his time on the bench and Chelsea let Tammy Abraham go, who then goes on to have a good season at Roma, win a European trophy. Like It just feels like Chelsea had a, had a set of missteps this summer. Um, and their midfield is a problem. Jorginho, not looking as hot. Mateo Kovacic always solid but not always solid but not phenomenal phenomenal not enough obviously N'Golo Conte's injury record is the one that's hampering him he really slowed down his pace and like I said in the in the FA Cup final all the Carlin Cup which one did they play Chelsea in the Carlin Cup final I thought Conte was really really slow really slow half second behind couldn't catch up to the pace Fabinho and Thiago and Henderson were really moving him around and he just couldn't, he wasn't that I'm going to go and get every interception canty that we all think that he still is now. He might be, he might pull it out. I can imagine him having a phenomenal World Cup campaign. But the N'Golo Conte of Leicester years in the first year at Chelsea, I think that guy might be on his way. Ruben Loftus-Cheek had a good second half to the campaign. Um... I wonder where Callum Hudson-Odoi is. I wonder if you're Callum Hudson-Odoi, you're frustrated you, you never went to Bayern Munich. The argument there is you think, is he going to play ahead of Serge Gnabry and Leroy Zane and Kinsey Coman? But at Chelsea, he's not playing ahead of Mason Mount or Kai Havertz or Hakim Ziyech coming off the bench ahead of him or Timo Werner's playing on the wing instead of him. Like Hudson-Odoi, he's, he's young. He's a young player, that's fine, but he's not... He's not young, young. Like, he's Bukayo Saka's age mate. He's Emil Smith-Rowe's age mate. He's not far from Mason Mount's age. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White went to go and get serious minutes in the champ. Like, Hassan Odoi needs to... Oh, I'm going to steal this phrase. He needs to drop the album. He's, like, dropping teasers right now. He needs to drop the album. Because it's a bit... It's a bit... I don't know, I don't know what the next step for him is. Um, Chelsea, obviously look like they're going to get taken over so they'll be signing a lot of players especially after a campaign that wasn't poor but wasn't as good as they wanted it to be um and the forward area is the area i would take a look at personally because because whenever there's a problem you just got to go buy strikers right but i don't really know if hudson Odoi fits um like him and gabriel martinelli have had two polar opposite campaigns when i i would guess they're the same age if not martinelli younger um Manchester United, obviously I said I don't want to talk about them, but just the stinker from back to front. Um, good luck to Eric Ten Hag in the summer um, and Ralph Ranić, who probably hasn't actually been as good managerially as he should have been. 
but the club is in so much turmoil. I don't know if he... I don't really know how bad he was compared to how disengaged the players are because they're not bad players. A lot of them aren't bad players anyway. Harry Maguire is a phenomenal player on his day. Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, but let's talk about him. Jaden Sancho, obviously. Bruno Fernandes, obviously, but they're so disengaged and so disenfranchised that the... No matter what... Manchester United, actually, the manager they need it's Carlo Ancelotti. Now, obviously, Carlo Ancelotti is a bit busy right now preparing for a Champions League final, but he is the guy that you sign when you've got a jumbled mess of a squad and you need someone to come in and make everyone happy and put simple tactical measures in place to make sure you play at your best level. He did it at AC Milan when he dropped Pirlo deeper. He did it at PSG. He did it at Real Madrid the first time, the second time. This Real Madrid squad that he's in right now is one of the worst Real Madrid squads we've seen in the last, what, 10 years, 10, 12 years? And they made a Champions League final. This is a team that is sometimes harrowing defensively, but it doesn't matter because Karim Benzema is supernova. He makes really smart substitutions. He's able to still kind of get the best out of Luka Modric. Tony Cross is moving on, but then he can bring on Camavinga or... Or Fede Valverde to move him back into the midline. Ancelotti knows what he's doing. Manchester United need an adult. Hopefully, Eric Ten Hag is the same. I hope they give him the time. Um, I hope they give him the time. He needs more than three years. He needs five or six. He needs time to blood out the players that he doesn't want. Blood in the players he does want. Start tweaking the system. Um, just bring back some calm to that team. Because... The club is in so much turmoil up and down and, and they've got such main character syndrome. They need to do what Arsenal. They need to calm down. Understand that you've fallen behind the pack. Reboot and get yourselves in order. Like Obviously, I know Arsenal at the beginning of the campaign were horrendous and I was crying my eyes out thinking we were going to get battered and finish 10th or 11th. Arteta calmed the squad down, put his system in. You know how Arsenal play. You see the patterns. You see the patterns in the 4 2 3 one. You see the way Odegaard starts to link up with Saka out wide on one side to pull the defence that way so that Martinelli can go 1v1 on the other side and he's such a pain and he's so direct. You see how Lacazette drops deeper so that Martinelli can cut inside and be more aggressive and Saka can get behind on the other side and Odegaard can start playing passes into channels. You see that Kieran Tierney and Nuno Tavares can be more aggressive and Shaka can pull out into left-back to cover and be a distributor from there because Tomiyasu is a lot less attacking so he can tuck in right now and make a three which gives Shaka a little bit more license to go and be effective and cover that. You see the patterns. We know we need a striker but a striker coming into Arsenal isn't going to be confused about what he needs to do. He can see clearly. At Manchester United you come into the squad you don't know what's happening. Cristiano Ronaldo is just thinking, gosh, I hope this ball comes in the box, but I don't know because Bruno might shoot from 40 yards because he's a bit frustrated or Marcus Rashford might try and take someone on 1v1, but he's in such a bad mood that he can't start his dribble or the ball comes to Scott McTominay and he's got a hole in his foot and now we're running through at Harry Maguire and he can't think straight. It's dicey. Also probably doesn't help. I understand this old school and this frustration boiling over out of the change room, but it probably doesn't help that David De Gea is coming out. It, I don't want to talk about Man United. That's something, you see what I'm saying? It's such a main character team. Why am I talking about them? Um, Tottenham, phenomenal in the second half. First half, gosh. Doesn't feel like Nuno was this season, but goodness, that was so long ago. Um, this campaign dragged, man. 
how on earth was Nunez the manager of this team? But what was he like? Tottenham were eleventh, twelfth when Conte came in. This guy is is a serious manager. He's up there, man. Him, Ancelotti, Pep. I think are my favourites. Obviously, Klopp, Tuchel, phenomenal managers, but Conte, Ancelotti, and Pep are just for me the best that give them a bunch of nonsense and they just have to work out what to do and they can work something out. And if you don't think Pep can do that, by the way, like the way his squad is set up, he won a Premier League title with Fabian Delph playing left back. Like The guy can work out what he needs to do. They had a midfield of Bernardo Silva, David Silva and Fernandinho. And I know that sounds great because of how good they are. That means that Fernandinho is defending on an island and he managed to get it done. Like, he's won Premier League titles, two of his, no, his last two without a nine. Champions League final. Um, this Champions League final has the potential to be an absolutely ridiculous game. Real Madrid can't start slow like they have in their last couple because I think if you start slow against Liverpool, who are a team that traditionally like to start fast, like we saw in the FA Cup semi-final against Manchester City where they started out rapid. They said, we're going to set the pace of this game. We're not going to let you dictate. We're going to dictate. We're going to get Trent and Robertson high right up from the beginning. Thiago's going to move the ball straight away. Henderson's going to move the ball straight away. We want Mane and Salah to be as direct as they can be. Real Madrid can't afford to do the the game against Chelsea or the game against Man City where they sat back and then recovered. I'm not sure you can recover against this team. The last time these two played off my head was the Champions League uh, quarter or semi-final a few years ago where Trent had an absolutely abysmal time against Vinicius Jr. Uh, Tony Cross hit a wonder pass from the right-hand side of midfield, right into Vinicius Jr. over Trent's head twice. And um, Real Madrid uh, just ran through Liverpool. And Naby Keita had a horrendous game, an awful game. I don't think it would be that. I can see Liverpool winning this game 3-0, to be honest. Is there anyone that's going to stop Karim Benzema as Virgil van Dijk? Especially the athleticism of Ibrahim Kanate or the smart defending of a Joao Matip because he reads the game so well. Um, Trent is much, much, much better defensively. I wouldn't be surprised if Vinicius Jr. didn't have a great game because Trent is bigger, he's stronger, he reads the game more. And especially if Kanate is the next man, is the centre-back next to Trent on his side, I can see Kanate and Vinicius Jr. having a long day. Um, Thiago brings a little bit of balance and control to that midfield. Fabinho is the best defensive midfield player in the world, in my opinion. I think he's better than Rodri. I think he's better than Kante right now. I think he's better than Casemiro. Um, Fabinho is different levels. And especially if Tony Cross plays in midfield, that game will get too fast for him. I don't want to think for Ancelotti because he's smarter than me. <laughs> um, but this is a game that Camavinga has to start. Camavinga, Fede Valverde, um, Modric, Kroos, Vinicius and Benzema has to be the midfield in the attack. I'm not even, like I've said before, I don't love Valverde on the wing. I don't like the idea of midfielders playing wide, but to stop Robertson and, and, and give a little bit more defensive solidity on that side, I understand the idea of playing Valverde on the wing. Um, Vinicius on the other side has got to be very aggressive from the beginning to push Trent back because if not, 
and then Trent gets comfortable and starts floating in pockets, etc. It's long. Um, but the the battle of Thiago and Fabinho and Henderson versus Casemiro Modric plus one in midfield is the problem. It has to be Camavinga. They need someone to press. They need someone to set tempo, to be aggressive, to be strong, to be on the front foot. Tony Gross is up there with one of the best midfield players of his generation. The guy is a he's a t- ball ticking machine. He has done for ten years what Jorginho did in his first game against Newcastle. That is Tony Gross's level. The guy doesn't give the ball away. He can recycle it. He can set the tempo of the game. That's fine. But he was never fast to begin with. And now he's getting older. His legs are slowing down even more. The guy runs backwards. <laughs> he he can't he can't keep up in he can't keep up in a game like this. And I think he will hurt Madrid's midfield and make them a turnstile if he starts. Um, hopefully, someone like Fulon Mendy. If I don't know if David Alaba is fit. That's the one thing I haven't checked. Is if he's Alaba at centre back or Nacho? I really hope and pray it'll be Alaba. Um, for Real Madrid's sake. And then Militao um, and Danny Carvajal probably at right back. Uh, Thibaut Courtois had a phenomenal knockout stage. Uh, game after game, he's been amazing. Funnily enough, he's conceded loads of goals, but his actual goal piece, goalkeeping play has been great. Um, and then there's a man on one side, managerially wise, there's a man on one side who is a who is like a Christian rock youth leader who is like trying to be cool and down with the kids and whatever. He says things like down with the kids. But um, he's a nerd. Or there's Carlo Ancelotti who, on the other side, who is chilling. Doesn't look like he'd be stressed if there was a hurricane in front of him. Unbelievably calm. I can just remind his team to relax. We're Real Madrid. And we can come back from whatever place. This could be an amazing game. Especially if it gets end-to-end. If it gets end-to-end and Liverpool get a bit scatty defensively and it's Benzema and Vinicius pushing the pace on one side versus Luis Diaz and Salah and Mane pushing on the other side and the midfield is just a haze. That could be so good, man. But if I was going to give my prediction before the game, and hopefully I could do something post the game, maybe the day after, because um, I'll probably be hammered all night. I am going to guess right now 2-3-1 Liverpool win. I think Madrid play cross. They can't play fast enough and Liverpool just cut through them. Um, that's what I'm going to guess now. I really, really hope that doesn't happen. To be honest, if Liverpool ended the season in just a Carlin Cup and an FA Cup, it would it would be a great season if you remember what happened. But if you just looked back, it wouldn't be that great. And I think that would be quite fun. Um, and if Carlo Ancelotti can add another Champions League and he's got three of them, he's drawn league titles everywhere he's been, he's... He's created dominant sides like his Milan side and his Chelsea side. Then he's then he's closer to that Pep, Ferguson, Mourinho, Saki group that than we think. Carlo Ancelotti is that guy. Um, yeah, I really hope it's a good game. I hope for no injuries as well. I know this has been a long campaign. And it feels like this is game number a hundred in the season, and it. I don't know. With the World Cup coming up in December, so then everyone's going to be doing their pre-season, come back for a Premier League season, then have to pause that, do a World Cup, then restart the Premier League season. I, I do hope no one gets hurt. Um, we know there was injury issues over Fabinho and Thiago, but it looks like they'll both start now. But 
for people who have played a lot of games and a lot of big games, I'd be sad if the game was spoiled by a by a Van Dyke hammy goes or Salah blows out his quad or etc. Just because there's too many miles on everyone. Um, if Real Madrid did win, Curry and Benzema, Ballon d'Or looks like it'll be yours. Um, yeah, that that would just be a phenomenal game. Um, Kylian Mbappe is, to be honest. To be honest, when I first saw it, I thought, Mbappe, that's a bit sad. Um, I'd rather he didn't stay at PSG, but also, I'd rather he didn't stay at PSG selfishly. It'd be amazing to see him in the Prem. Him versus Haaland versus Martinelli in the league would be absolutely ridiculous. Um, or if he was just in a bigger league that felt like it was more competitive. Not on. He's, he's only ever going to go to a super club. There's probably only PSG, Manchester City, a fully functioning Manchester United, Real Madrid, maybe Chelsea are the only clubs that you can feasibly see Kylian Mbappe playing for. Like, he's only going to go to monster teams who will pay him monster money. We just wish it wasn't France because it doesn't feel like the league is competitive. But if you look at La Liga now, and I'm not, I know this isn't my idea, there's a lot of people saying this, La Liga is not very enticing at the moment. There's not many strong players. The best player in the league is Karim Benzema, which is fine. After that, the next best player in the league is... It doesn't have the same pulling power as the Prem. It doesn't have the same pulling power that it used to. Going to La Liga felt like you were... In, if, if you were going to La Liga, you were going to play in the Clasico. And there, a man like Gareth Bale, who when he went there at his peak, might be the fourth or, best, or fourth or fifth best player in that game. Especially in the peak Ronaldo, peak Benzema, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. Gareth Bale might be the fifth best player in that game. And then Neymar and Suarez came in. Like That's what made it crazy. He goes to Madrid right now. It's not the same level. He's signed for three years. He's going to make £1.2 million a week. He's going to make £7,000 a minute. Which is fine. Like The money thing is go ahead. Go get your money. You're the best young player in the world. You're... Knocking on the door of a legend. He's now... He's not as good. Old people don't shoot me. He's not as good as R9 was at his age. Probably. Just accolade-wise. But he's not far. To be honest, if Messi and Ronaldo didn't, didn't exist, he might have a ball... And there wasn't a COVID season. He could feasibly have a Ballon d'Or. He could feasibly win a Ballon d'Or this year. Like, he's right up there. He's going to leave PSG or his contract's going to expire when he's 26... Barring any serious injury, the guy could go and make triple the wage he's making now. Because he could literally be a 100 goal a season player. I wouldn't be surprised if Kylian Mbappe... He's probably the person that will break Messi's 91 goals in the calendar year. Especially if he does it in France. He'll go and obliterate... Um, if PSG build a fully functioning side with a smart manager, Zidane comes in maybe. Tactically innovative, like uses him as the star man. Like he was this season. The guy could break 91 goals. I do wish it was just more of a fun league. But I wouldn't go to La Liga right now. The Premier League is incredible, full of incredible players right now. But maybe for him, it's a bit saturated. He's obviously the star at PSG now. Obviously, like Neymar was, Messi was the best player in the world. And was the best player of all time. Well, is the best player of all time. But 
his first campaign hasn't been so great, so Mbappe's clearly the man now. You might as well just hold tight, stay in your situation, and then you've got three years that you can go and obliterate more leagues, come back, take a look at the landscape, and make a go and make a smart move, go and play for Liverpool. Mohamed Salah leaves, his, his, his Liverpool career has moved on, Sadio Mane has moved on, Liverpool are looking for that stark income 26-year-old Kylian Mbappe. Jesus Christ. Um, so, not the most fun outcome, but from him, very, very logical. And if you've got, if someone offers you the power to, to take the gaffer, make decisions, you're the man now, you're the man over Neymar, Messi, you take it. Um, transfer window will be opening. Um, deals are being announced. Bubukara Kamara has gone to Aston Villa. Um, Diego Carlos always going to Aston Villa. I really, really hope Aston Villa don't become Everton. I think they will make smarter signings. Kamara obviously a good signing. Diego Carlos good signing. Felipe Coutinho on a cheap deal was good. Um, just slightly worried about their uh, finances. I don't know why I'm watching Aston Villa's pockets, but just maybe a little bit of research into that would be good for me because I just wonder if they're going down the Everton route and we clearly saw how badly that was for Everton. But um, I'll be back after Champions League final um, just to take a look at the game and see what happens. Tell your tell your plumber, tell the person behind the till at Tesco we do a food shop this weekend or tell the man behind the bar because everyone's going to be in a pub or a club watching the game. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.